Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast would be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Welcome to episode nine of the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. As we begin this episode, I want to say a special thank you to all of you who've been listening to the pod over this last month. Our subscribers are growing every week, and many of you have emailed, shared, or otherwise sent us lots of positive feedback. And so I want you to know, we're working on some new episodes for the coming weeks with an expanded guest list and some interesting topics. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Today's episode is part one of a live recording from our Good Friday devotion last week. I had the privilege of leading our church via Zoom through a time of teaching and reflection on the cross. We'll be releasing part two of this episode on Thursday, but for now, I hope that you enjoy and are encouraged by this time of reflection on the cross. No symbol is quite as synonymous with Christianity as the cross. Really, the cross has kind of become the sign of our entire system of faith. And this really doesn't seem that odd to us. We have cross necklaces. We have cross decorations in our home. We have pictures of the cross. Some of us may even have cross tattoos. But really, to a first century audience, this would seem um, odd at best and more than likely would seem insane. Because the cross in the first century was not something that folks decorated their homes with. It was not something that they wore around their necks. The cross in the first century was an instrument of death. And it was a torture mechanism. It was designed for slaves and the lowest of criminals and conquered armies. Uh, the cross was not discussed in polite culture. It was, it was a symbol of fear, uh, really, that was used to keep conquered peoples in line. And so when we think about it, how does the cross become, as John Stott, the great theologian once said, how does the cross become the center of the evangelical faith, right? This instrument of death, now some 2,000 years later, is actually the, the, the center of the evangelical faith. And, and this only happens really because of the man who was crucified on the cross, right? The cross itself holds no power, but the man on the cross in his suffering and in his dying makes what happened there some 2000 years ago, the pivotal point, not just of Christianity, but the pivotal point of all human history. Uh, D.A. Carson, who is a New Testament scholar and theologian says that the climax of redemptive history is the cross. This is the focal point of all human history. And, And so tonight, What I would have us do in these few moments that we have together is to reflect on the death of Jesus on the cross. And I really want us to ask the question, why the cross? And and what does it all mean? And ultimately, my hope in this is that you will come away this evening with a deeper appreciation of just what it was that Jesus accomplished in those six hours one Friday. But more than that, I pray that your heart would be stirred tonight with affection and with gratitude for our Savior, who on that Good Friday was forsaken by God so that through him, you and I would never have to be. 
Um, I think about the old hymn um, by Isaac Watts, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, and it it begins this way, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count as loss, and I pour contempt on all my pride. And so that's my hope tonight, that as we survey the wondrous cross of Christ, that our richest gain, our greatest earthly treasure, we would see as loss in the face of this gift God has given us in Jesus on the cross, and that all of our pride and all of our boasting would be of naught, and they would all be given to Jesus. And so I, I want us to look tonight um, in the book of First Corinthians. Uh, I hope that maybe you've been following along with our uh, journey to the cross uh, on our Facebook page. We, we've been walking through each morning a different day of Holy Week. Uh, and so I hope that you've maybe you've been following along with that. And, and we've been walking through specifically the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, and the way that uh, they discuss the events surrounding the, the final week of Jesus. Uh, and so one of the encouragements that I gave you today or this morning was to take some time today and read through one of the gospel accounts of the crucifixion. I hope you did that. Uh, I spent some time today in the gospel of Mark, just rereading the crucifixion account. Uh, and so I, I hope that maybe you've done that or, or reflected on that uh, today or this week sometime so that you'll be familiar with it. My hope tonight is not that we would walk through kind of beat by beat all the things that happen uh, during the the the. Jesus's final hours, but that ultimately what we would do is that we reflect on what the cross means uh, and why ultimately it is good news for us. And so I want us to turn tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, and I am just really just want to look at one, one verse here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is addressing numerous problems in the church at Corinth. Um, one of the problems is that the church at Corinth, the, the members of the church have begun arguing uh, about their devotion to a specific teacher of the word. Uh, some followed Apollos, some followed Cephas, who, who was Peter, some followed Paul, and they were kind of arguing about which one of them was the better teacher of the word. And, and you see the Corinthians, like most of the Greco-Roman world, they loved rhetoric, and they loved eloquent teaching. Uh, in fact, rhetoric, uh, rhetorical persuasion was an art form, and it was a highly valued skill to be this orator, uh, so much so that there were actually professional orators, professional uh, rhetor- rhetoricians, uh, and, and they were expected to give uh, entertaining and informing recitations to woo the crowd and ultimately persuade the masses. But Paul uh, comes to Corinth, and he writes to the church at Corinth, and he says that the message he carries is not shrouded in rhetoric, and it doesn't come with this kind of dramatic flourish. Uh, And it's not likely to win anyone in the popular culture. Uh, Paul comes to the church at Corinth with a message of the cross. But in this message, we see the true power to save. And so Paul here in the middle of chapter one, uh, specifically in verse 17, says that God has sent him to the Corinthians to preach the gospel, not with the words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. And here, the next verse is the verse that I want us to focus on tonight, and it is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. So here's the verse that we'll focus on this evening. 
Paul writes this. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so I want us to ask really just three questions about this verse as we reflect on the cross tonight. First, I want us to ask the question, why was Jesus's death on the cross regarded by some as folly? Why was Jesus's death on the cross regarded by some as folly? The second question is, how is Jesus's death on the cross essential to salvation? How is Jesus's death on the cross essential to our salvation? And the third question is this, what is Jesus's death on the cross sufficient for? And so why was his death? Why would Paul say that the word of the cross is folly? How is Jesus's death on the cross essential to our salvation? And ultimately, what is Jesus's death on the cross sufficient for? And if you could boil down everything that I'm going to say in the next 15, 20 minutes or so, it's this. At the cross, God provides the means necessary for forgiveness of, atonement for, and redemption from sin. That at the cross, God provides the means necessary for forgiveness of, atonement for, and redemption from sin. So let's begin here by answering these questions. Uh, First, we need to see the reality of the cross, the reality of the cross. Uh, Notice that Paul begins this by saying, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Uh, The word folly here is the Greek word amoria, uh, which just simply means foolishness, uh, silliness. It's, 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 it's not a, uh, something that would be serious. And so Paul says that the word of the cross to those who are perishing, it, it doesn't sound like good news. It sounds like foolishness. Uh, later on in uh, down, if you'll, you'll look down in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look to verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly, this is the same word there, or foolishness to the Greeks. And so Paul says that we come with this message that the Jews see as a stumbling block and the Greeks see as foolishness. Now, why was the cross a stumbling block to the Jews? Well, it was a stumbling block to the Jews because of the Old Testament law. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 21, Deuteronomy chapter 21, Moses is giving the law to the people. And in uh, verse 22 and 23, Moses says, if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. Listen to this. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You see, for the Jews, death by hanging on a tree was seen as proof of God's curse, and it was seen as a rightful punishment of God against one who had sinned. And so to say a crucified Savior, a crucified King who had uh, died on a cross— was a stumbling block to the Jews because when they saw one, someone crucified, they thought that it was a symbol of God's cursing of that person, not his blessing. And so we see that the cross is a stumbling block to the Jews. But why was the cross considered folly or foolishness to the Greeks? There's a tremendous little book that I uh, w- would recommend to you. It, it was uh, It's called uh, Crucifixion, and it's written by Martin Hengel. 
Uh, and it really just walks through uh, the process of crucifixion and how it was regarded in the ancient world. And here's what he has to say about crucifixion in the ancient world. He says, in Roman times, crucifixion was practiced above all on dangerous criminals and members of the lowest classes. These were primarily people who had been outlawed from society or slaves who on the whole had no rights. The enemies of Christianity always referred to the disgracefulness of the death of Jesus with great emphasis and malicious pleasure because a God or a son of God did not die on a cross. And so for the Greeks, they saw this as foolishness. A God, a son of God, a king didn't die on a cross. It was incomprehensible to a first century Greek, because kings were not crucified. Slaves were crucified. Criminals were crucified. And a crucified king was no king at all. And so why then does God allow Jesus to be crucified? Why is Jesus crucified in this way? Like, shouldn't he have died a more noble death like a less violent one, one that's maybe more culturally accepted, right? If, if we're trying to get the good news of Jesus out, why would he die in a manner that would make it a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 31. And so I want to read this to you. Follow along with me in the Bible, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 31. Paul writes, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly or foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul says that the Jews sought these great signs from God and the Greeks were seeking wisdom, but instead of giving them signs or their wisdom, God gives them a crucifixion. The world would not come to know God by their own wisdom, but instead, the way to be reconciled to the God of the universe was through what the world thought of as foolishness, a king on a cross. Why? So that our boast in our salvation could only be in him. The cross was ultimately about God's glory, at the cross, God was stripping away all of our self-sufficiency, all of our wisdom, all of our own expectations of who we needed to be our Savior. And in its place, what is he doing? He's calling us to place our hope for salvation on the bloody back of a crucified Messiah nailed to a Roman execution stake. Why? 
so that through him and him alone, not our wisdom, not our work, we would receive true wisdom, righteousness, and redemption so that the one who boasts will be able to boast only in the Lord. Paul picks up on this again in the book of Galatians. He writes, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The reality of the cross is that on the cross, God removed any boasting that we could make in ourselves for salvation. The cross shows us that even our boasting belongs to God, and that the death of Jesus Christ was our death too for those who believe in him and believe and call on his name. This is what Paul picks up on in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.